The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. Welcome to a brand new episode of Tyler's Takedowns. I'm going to be discussing WCW Halloween Havoc from 1993. I'm your host, Tyler Peters. We are going to take a look at, or I'm going to take a look at, I'm so used to being on other podcasts where there's multiple people. You've probably heard me say this, but I can't help but be repetitive. But I will be discussing when World Championship Wrestling, WCW, presented their fifth edition of Halloween Havoc. It became a tradition during the Halloween season. It's a spooky season, is it not? Our venue was the Lakefront Arena in the Big Easy of New Orleans, Louisiana. October 24th, 1993 was the day. In the previous episode, episode 7, I discussed ECW Hostile Showdown 1996. And maybe that's hostile. You know, we all say it differently. You can listen to the podcast via Spotify and Apple Podcasts on the SJP World Media Network. So Halloween Havoc 93 was built around Cactus Jack facing the WCW World Heavyweight Champion Big Van Vader in a non-tunnel match in a match that would be determined by spinning the wheel. That was uh, the gist of what this pay-per-view would be built around. Let's discuss this terrifying pay-per-view. We see the young trigger-treaters in a video package to open up the show. One kid wants to go to a haunted-looking house. Tony Schiavone answers the door. He's so good here, is Schiavone. Tony welcomes these kids into the house and puts over Vader vs. Cactus Jack. Schiavone transforms into a monster, something resembling a Stephen King film. It's horrendous, yet Scary all at the same time. As Eric Bischoff, host, by pointing out the will's importance to Halloween Havoc, Eazy-E dresses up like a Civil War soldier. He's General Custer, from what I gather, and we are live from New Orleans, Louisiana, like I stated before just moments ago. Tony Schiavone joins Jesse the Body Ventura as they provide the commentary, and they do a great job. I, I like this combination. Remember when Ventura did it with Jim Ross? It was unique because we're so used to Jesse the Body Ventura being with the WWE and with Vince McMahon, Gorilla Monsoon, and they were all classic, trust me. But there was something special and unique about when Ventura would join the uh, announcers from WCW. And don't forget that Shivani and Ventura worked together back in 89 when Tony Shivani was in the World Wrestling Federation. Currently, we now know it as World Wrestling Entertainment. And uh, Shivani dressing up like Jesse the Body Ventura and why Bischoff dressed like a Civil War soldier was because it's Halloween. There you go. Very clever, yet so funny. Our first matchup, we open the pay-per-view up with some uh, interesting action, to say the least. Harlem Heat and the Equalizer take on the Shockmaster, Ice Train, and Charlie Norris. It is a six. It is a six-man tag team matchup. Talk about different pairings, I'll say. Booker T was known as Cole, and he'll wrestle Ice Train at the beginning. Kane was in WCW. Wait a minute, Stevie Ray was actually known as Kane during this era, which I found a bit odd and humorous. 
Nothing against Stevie Ray. I love Harlem Heat. I think they're they're rated, but sometimes they don't get the props they deserve when uh, referencing uh, Stevie Ray and Booker T. Harlem Heat. But they had different gimmick names at this time. And it's not Glenn Jacobs, but Stevie Ray was Kane. Now, Glenn Jacobs would appear and have a match against Sting. I just can't think of his uh, wrestling persona at the time, so forgive me. I do try to do the research, but I can't remember everything. Anyways, continuing. It's a shame Ice Train did not progress any farther. I remember him vividly when I was watching as a kid in the early to mid-90s, and even, I believe, in the late 90s, possibly. Shockmaster had to overcome that uh, not-so-good debut. Fred Ottman, who was the former tugboat, was also the brother-in-law to the American Dream Dusty Rhodes and uncle to Cody Rhodes. So it was uh, very intriguing to see the Shockmaster in action. Another experienced veteran of professional wrestling is Shockmaster. People cheered, though, when he entered. So he was over, it appeared. From uh, the crowd reaction, the Equalizer is on the opposite team against Shockmaster. What a fascinating time Harlem Heat already exhibited potential. You could see why they would go on to have Hall of Fame careers not just individually, especially Booker T, but as a team. Being very cohesive is Harlem Heat. Shockmaster delivers a bear hug into like a spine buster, from what I can recall and understand, to win the match. He pinned Cole, a.k.a. Booker T. Shockmaster, Ice Train, and Charlie Norris, who was representing a Native American type gimmick. Now, he may have actually been of uh, American Indian descent, I'm not positive, but Charlie Norris was a pretty decent wrestler is what I put down, even though I'm not as familiar with uh, Norris's wrestling career. I'm going to be very transparent there. Bischoff interviews a second referee for the Ric Flair versus Rick Rude matchup. Terry Taylor joins Eazy-E, and the board of directors have selected Taylor, and he promises to be fair. He was, uh, Taylor was uh, possessing a lot of attitude, during the interview, and it, it was so just compelling to see Eric Bischoff as this announcer. We, we forget he came fresh off the AWA in the early 90s. I mean, I think late 80s, early 90s, and, and then this is still kind of early to mid-90s here with World Championship Wrestling, and then he became the man for this company during the Monday Night Wars and moved on up the ladder in an executive position, did uh, Eric Bischoff. But to see him kind of dressed in his uh, garb, representing the Civil War, was uh, very neat here. And then Terry Taylor, after he was the rooster in the WWE with Bobby the Brain Heenan, that was a terrible gimmick. But make, but let me tell you, Terry Taylor was a very talented wrestler. He just could not survive that horrid gimmick. Talk about terrifying. That would be the rooster. So Terry Taylor will be the special guest referee along with referee Randy Anderson for the championship matchup that that was another key factor this was the international title which was a little perplexing knowing that vader was the world heavyweight champion for the brand yet rick rude was the international champion had the big gold belt that flair you know i don't know if it was the same one but similar to the one that flair would take to the wwe when he was uh, not getting along with jim hurd during the early 90s and would show up there with bobby heenan so a lot of uh, Heenan references, but you, you see a lot of guys that go back and forth or they've stayed a while and then they've reemerged onto the scene for WCW. And that's going to be a tremendous matchup. I can't wait to discuss the Flair Rude matchup. But yeah, a, a little bit of con- little bit of confusion with uh, Flair and Rude 
in this international title. And Fifi, she would it was kind of the object of affection for both these guys. In story, I'm not sure about real life. I know about her relationship with Ric Flair. Now, I don't know if Rude, I don't want to speculate because that, that's not my job at the moment. We do get a great bout featuring two Hall of Famers and legendary pro wrestlers, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff with the Assassin, another iconic figure in the industry, taken on opposite Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. I just met Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, had my photo with him in Nashville, actually Franklin, but it's a suburb of the Music City. And what a thrill. I know it was only momentarily, but that was a dream come true. You're talking about a guy that that had some of the greatest matches with Macho Man Randy Savage or Ric Flair and, and whomever else, including a Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff, for crying out loud. Honestly, I didn't prefer the Dragon's Wings look for Steamboat. Uh, that's just me. Mr. Wonderful always brought intensity. Steamboat fired back with excitement. Orndorff controlled early, and Ricky Steamboat gets slammed on the ramp. They had a rampway for Halloween Havoc. I thought Mr. Wonderful was perfect when you realize his no-nonsense style contrasted with that moniker, even though Orndorff had wonderful wrestling ability. See what I did there? Steamboat could fly after coming over that top rope from the ramp. What a visual that was. Steamboat's arm drags are so amazing. Mr. Wonderful's arm received punishment from hitting the ring post, the Assassin's son officiated the contest. Nick Patrick is the son of uh, the Assassin. These two had chemistry when go- getting back, pardon me, getting back to both Steamboat and Orndorff. What a natural the dragon is. The Assassin distracted the, the referee, and the Assassin put something into his mask and headbutted Steamboat, and Mr. Wonderful wins via countout. Also, going back to the story with Rick Root's gold belt, Upper management does recognize Rick Root's title. So they kept relaying that on commentary, Tony Schiavone and Jesse the Body Ventura, which was very significant. The next match has to be one of my favorites. Davy Boy Smith, the British Bulldog. Davy Boy Smith, yes, the same person we saw with the Dynamite Kid, would compete for the WCW television title against Lord Stephen Regal with Sir William, a.k.a. Bill Dundee, If you watch Memphis Wrestling or Mid-South, you know all about Mr. Dundee. And uh, he was known as Sir William at this time, managing Regal. And Michael Buffer introduces the competitors. This was before the, the Monday Night Nitro era. Michael Buffer was already making introductions in 1993 for WCW. Regal's arrogance concerning his gimmick was spectacular. Regal and Smith demonstrate a more European-themed scientific match by exchanging wrist locks and arm bars. Lord Stephen had smoothness with every step. The British Bulldog escaped, circa countering Regal's techniques. Smith went mat wrestling. He does, n- he does not use power regarding expert takedowns. Hey, takedowns is in, in the name of the podcast. Very fascinating to watch how different... Davy Boy Smith wrestled against a fellow Englishman and uh, Lord Stephen Regal. You know him as William Regal. And uh, two of the, the all-time greats. I mean, this whole card's filled with just legends. It's really astonishing when you think about it. My impressions, it's a magnificent encounter. The Bulldog had Regal but ran out of time. It had a time limit on the match. 
and the bulldog had him. That's why I'll go back over it. But it was that time limit that ran out as soon as Randy Anderson was making the uh, count and got to just about the three where his hand would tap. Uh, the time limit ran out. So Regal would retain the TV title. Another just stellar matchup. Thoroughly enjoyed it, though, between uh, the, the British Bulldog and William Regal, or Lord Stephen Regal at this time. Let me get it correct. Bischoff is at the wheel. Big Van Vader is with Harley Race. Spin the wheel, make the deal, or make a deal. Maybe it had the A in there. I should have went back to grammar school. I, that's been a, a running joke that's not really that funny, but hopefully somebody will get my humor. A Texas death match would be the result of the where the wheel would land. That's a mouthful. And I love this uh, era of Vader with Harley Race. My goodness, two tough guys with uh, Big Van Vader and Harley Race, one of the greats of the National Wrestling Alliance. I, I always admire the pairing because I thought it just added a whole nother dynamic or dimension, rather, with uh, Race and Vader. The United States Championship match, just another classic featuring the United States champion, the natural Dustin Rhodes versus stunning Steve Austin. Buffer would continue the ring introductions. Michael Gary Capetta actually began the pay-per-view. I thought they both were great, naturally have, you know, their own styles. We have two wrestlers who redefined an era, especially with Austin, stunning Steve regrouped after Dustin Rhodes dictated the start of the match. And to Rhodes' credit, as Goldust, I mean, he redefined an era as well. Both would go on to the WWE and have immense success, but were already having some success with WCW in 1993. Austin attempted to stretch Rhodes following holds as he focused on the natural's arms. Austin began wearing down the second-generation star. Rhodes attacks Austin's injured knee. Spectators witness a clinical masterclass from both wrestlers. Austin used the ropes to win. Nick Patrick kept the match going after three, and Rhodes rolled him up to retain the U.S. title. With stunning Steve nailing the natural circus belt, Austin takes the United States title hostage. Very uh, puzzling finishes, uh, if you ask me, but I, I don't know wrestling that well. So that's just me, my uh, honest opinion. But I still enjoy the match. I'll just keep going back to uh, such terminology. WCW Battle Bowl happens in November. It used to be attached to Starcade, but no longer. It's its own separate entity, as Shivani would announce, and they would have the graphic. Promoting Battle Bowl happening in November of 1993. World Tag Team Champions Two Cole Scorpio and Marcus Alexander Bagwell with Teddy Long defend versus the Nasty Boys with Missy Hyde. Listen to these combinations. Footage showed Jerry Sachs pulling up Bagwell while, while pinning him, but it would cost the Nasty Boys to set up this pay-per-view matchup. So the Nasty Boys were the tag team champions, and then it would be Bagwell alongside Scorpio to become the new WCW World Tag Team Champions. Fans love the champ. Fans love the champs. Let me say it plural. My goodness. I can't hardly speak for some reason. And Bagwell was handsome. I, I got to admit, I, I normally don't say that about another man, but I, I could see it. And Scorpio just had a, a charismatic energy. And, hey, I referenced Scorpio. Too Cold Scorpio is who I'm talking about. You, you knew him also as Flash Funk. I referenced him 
back in episode seven, our last episode, where I reviewed ECW and Missy Hyde as well. They were both involved. That was that that uh, event back in 1996. And everyone sees Bagwell and Scorpio double team attack both Brian Nobbs and Jerry Sags. Bagwell kissed Hyatt. I can't blame him. You know, Missy Hyatt, to her credit, very attractive lady. Bagwell versus Jerry Sags would continue. He's nasty for sure by laying out Marcus Alexander Bagwell. The champions pummel their opponents. However, I discussed Scorpio's creative skills in that last episode, as I just referenced. Brian Knobs cannot overcome this dynamic assault. Bagwell and Scorpio continue their double team until Sags changes the momentum. Hyatt slaps Bagwell. Sags is making Bagwell pay. Scorpio enters. And Teddy Long fights with Missy, which was entertaining, on the ring apron. To clarify, Scorpio gets nailed with a boot by Sags. New tag team champions, because they cheated, the bad guys, the nasty boys. Eric Bischoff interviews Sid Vicious with Colonel Rob Parker. Always uh, found this to be a bizarre combination, but they made it work. Both guys are talented, not taking anything away from either one. Sid's promos are, are still so compelling. I'll go back to that word I've I think he was just coming off a run in the WWF, his first run. He was a four horseman before that with the NWA, WCW. I forget the exact timeline to when Sid came in or first came in, part of to World Championship Wrestling. Sid Vicious versus Sting to see who is the franchise of WCW, which I found very unique, if I'm going to be honest. Sid's a star, don't get me wrong, but Sting to me is still always going to be the franchise guy for WCW at least during the 90s, if nothing else. And we are in the 90s with this pay-per-view. My takeaways are I love Sting's character, when uh, meaning the surfer Sting. Let me clarify again. My goodness, I'm having to do it a lot. Stinger brings excitement. Sid attacks him, and Sting displays his power by picking up Sid and, and body slamming the big man. I mean, Sting's at least, Jesse Ventura said 6'4", Sting's at least 6'2", or 3", and Sid Vicious is every bit of at least... I want to say 6'9", if nothing else, 6'7", or 6'8", but I'd say even 6'9", especially in his prime. They fight through the crowd. What an intriguing rivalry this was with Sid opposite Sting. Parker distracts Sting, and, and Sid chokeslam Stinger. One can see shades of Psycho Sid already. Fans see basic storytelling depicting this monster beating up your hero. It was interesting, the finish, where Sting hit the uh, two Stinger splashes, but Parker grabs Sid's leg inadvertently. And it assists Sting in winning the match. Another weird finish. So, yeah, that's all I can put there. Shout out to LA Knight for the yeah right there, even if I didn't mean to. Vader preps with Harley Race and Cactus Jack is getting ready. We see video footage backstage. WCW International, or part of me, recognized as a world title bound. Still perplexed. It's the champion Rick Rude versus Ric Flair with Fifi. Randy Anderson and Terry Taylor officiate. Root's greatness is on the mic by insulting fans, and also his in-ring work is terrific. Flair's capabilities speak for themselves. Flair attacks the knee. Fifi distracts the ravishing one. Nate dominates early, and Ric Flair immediately tried to end it by applying a figure four on Root. The champ balled himself some time. From my perspective, it's all nature boys so far. Flair made it off the top rope. We did not see Flair actually make it off the top rope. Often, he hit an elbow on Rude on the outside floor. Rude caught Flair trying some additional high risk. He went to the well too often, as you hear the old O'Cliche. Taylor intervenes as Rude grabs a chair 
Momentum shifted for the Ravishing One, however. Rude utilizes his strength. Those Trunks Rude War were classic, depicting Flair and Fifi, I think, on at least one leg. I'm trying to recall every moment. Fifi looked concerned. I like how the camera closed in on her demeanor, meaning her expressions. Rude gets intense. Flair used the Rude Awakening to try to defeat Rick Rude, which I found brilliant. Terry Taylor goes down. Rude has a foreign object. I can't remember if Randy Anderson, the other referee, went down. And Flair catches him. I'll just continue. Rick Flair has the foreign object and hits Rude. Taylor made the count until Randy Anderson stopped Terry Taylor, reversing the decision. Flair takes the belt. Rude has Fifi. And Flair locks in the figure four on Rude while both are on the ramp. Yet Rude escapes. Another clinic. I, I thought Rude and Flair had terrific chemistry. I don't think they, they liked each other or got along, or at least from Rick Rude's perspective. I'm not sure about Flair. I can't speak for either one of them. And God rest uh, Rick Rude. He's not here to really elaborate. So that's why I say that. That's why I said I'm staying away from all of that. I can just tell you the match was good. Let's get to the main event, the Texas Death Match. Main event, the WCW World Heavyweight Champion, Big Van Vader, with Harley Race versus Cactus Jack. A a non-title match. It's important to say it. I I think I I said it at the top of the podcast. Shivani and Ventura break down the match rules. Spin the wheel, make a deal. That's why I had to say it again. I always love that. Vader is one of the best big men. Seeing Cactus Jack here was incredible. You could see the early incarnations of of mankind and and dude love. You you know, in a way, it, it was more mankind, I guess, not dude love. Cactus Jack attacks Vader. Vader's headgear came off. He nails the post. After Cactus evades him, both are hitting so hard. I mean, stiff is not even the word here. The challenger nails Vader with a chair. Vader remains stronger. Those body shots, left and right hands ensue. Show they show, excuse me, unreal physicality, unreal physicality. And Cactus Jack suplexes Vader off the ramp from out of the ring. The bumps were just vicious, you know, with respect to Sid Vicious. Race interfered and fought in the graveyard. Actually, I'm meaning Vader and Cactus Jack did. Race did interfere. However, each falls into the grave where it says. Rest in peace, R.I.P. to Vader in a tombstone. And it's Halloween Havoc. you got to have a little scare. Vader comes out bleeding, similar to a horror film. As one might expect, Cactus Jack is bleeding as well and comes off the ramp on Vader. Just brutal bumps, like I stated. These wrestlers maintain resilience. Jack sets up a table and Vader beats Cactus up. Vader hits the table. It had rest periods. If you desire old-school brutality, then you got it with this match. Race has a taser or some electric cattle prodder, and Vader lands a moonsault. I told you he's one of the best big men to go up. I don't know if he was quite over 400, but still over 300. Be that athletic. It's just unreal, and he hits it. Vader fell back on Cactus Jack, which looked painful uh, to me even watching it. DDT on the steel chair by Vader. Trainers come out, and Vader pushes them aside to add some realism. With all the craziness in the Texas death match. He pins him though, does Vader. DDT by Cactus. Harley Ray stuns Cactus Jack with that electric taser, helping Vader to win the match. So just a unbelievable match. If you hadn't got a chance to watch this whole pay-per-view, there's at least a few matches I recommend. But uh, actually a very solid show is uh, Halloween Havoc 1993. Some quick shout-outs, special shout-outs to Chain Wrestling. 
with Sapel. Oh, for, forgive me, Cactus Jack attacked Harley Race. I'll segue back to the shout-outs. Got ahead of myself. Special shout-outs. I'll just say it again. It's good practice. To Chain Wrestling with Sam Powell and Lord Mags, The Volley Show with Matt Lewis and Dan Griffin, and sometimes Connor, sometimes Connor McCabe joins them. I think it's mainly those two most of the time. Safe Place Sessions, the Doctor Who pod, and the HBK pod hosted by Sam Powell looking at everything Shawn Michaels. So I, I wanted to do better. I'll get some more shows involved. But this has been Episode 8 of Tyler's Takedowns. I'm your host, Tyler Peters. And I reviewed and discussed, from my perspective, Halloween Havoc Halloween Havoc from 1993. That would be WCW Halloween Havoc from 1993. And uh, I want you to stay safe. And until the next time, and also check out this podcast on Apple and Spotify. And check out past episodes. As I'm starting to build enough content right now. And, uh, hey, if you like ECW, you like WCW, you like the WWE or back when it was WWF, the territories, modern-day wrestling, old-school, traditional style of wrestling, then I'm going to have a little bit for everybody. It's got plenty of variety, does this show, when speaking of Tyler's takedowns. And I'm at DustinTyler86 on Twitter. You can follow me there. Follow, more importantly, at Tyler Takedowns. I couldn't add the S, but it's still the same show, Tyler's Takedowns on Twitter. You can follow me there. I've got to promote that handle more so than my own personal one. My goodness, I'm starting to finally get the hang of all this stuff. But until the next time, I'm saying farewell for now.